Last week, my wife bought new furniture. She said, your recliner has got to go to the church. And I said, I got the perfect place for it. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about rest today. This is kind of a show and tell thing. You know, uh, God told, uh, who was it, Isaiah to run around naked for three years to make a sign and a wonder. I think this is better. How many of you say this is better? Pictures, one picture's worth a what? A thousand words. So uh, we want to talk about rest. You know, aren't you, wouldn't you like to be a prophet in the Old Testament days? It's rough. It's rough. <laughs> it was rough. And there was a lot of other things they had to do that wasn't the most pleasant for a sign and a wonder. And so we got it pretty well made. But I want to talk to you about rest today. You know, one of the things that we look at in, in Joshua chapter 1, and uh, this won't, probably won't be a permanent thing, but I just thought this would be a good thing. Someone asked me about it, and I said, you know, I spend most of my week ministering to people sitting in the recliner. And, you know, I think somewhere it said that Jesus ascended to the Father, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And I think it says in Ephesians 2 that we sat down with him there. So if we're seated with him in heavenly places, is it all right to be seated with him now? Uh, And you know what the Greek and the Hebrew word for rest really means? To repose. To recline. That's to rest. Here in Joshua chapter 1, let's look in Joshua chapter 1. And I want to read you something here. He said to them, Joshua 1, 13, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commands you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you the land. So what was the first thing he gave them? Rest. See, what they were looking for for 40 years was a rest. See, and, and the rest was the promise. And with the promise comes what? The land. And another place he says he gives you the, the rest, then he gives you the inheritance to go with it. Let me even know there's a lot of people that's gotten their inheritance and have no rest with it. You know, Ecclesiastes says something. He says when God gives you abundance and he gives you a, a plenty of things, but he doesn't give you the ability to enjoy it. Let me even know it's one thing to have a lot of things, but it's another thing to have the gift to enjoy what you got. And he says, that's a gift of God. You know, and, and what does it also say? When riches increase, sorrows also increase. But it also says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. So you see, it's, it's more than that. And so rest is important. And he said, he's given you the rest. I want you to look with me in Jeremiah chapter. I think this is a picture of what the new man, one of the, the fruits of the new man is peace and rest. And that's the goal of the promised land was rest. And it's the goal the Father has for us. I want to show you something here. And uh, there's a lot of people in, around looking for rest and looking for peace. But in Jeremiah chapter 33, God says, This is the prosperity of Jerusalem. <clears throat> you remember Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show thee great and mighty things which you knew not. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, concerning the house and the cities, Concerning the kings of Judah that are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword, 
They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with dead bodies of men whom I have slain in my anger and in my fury for all whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city. Behold, I will bring health and a cure. What's God wanting to bring? A health and a cure. I will cure them, and I will reveal unto them the abundance of what? Peace and truth. And he says, and I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return. And I will build them, what? As at the first. And I will cleanse them from their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and honor before all nations. A name of what? Praise, honor, and joy before all nations of the earth which shall hear of all the good I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for the prosperity I have procured unto it. Thus saith the Lord, again it shall be heard in this place, which you shall say is desolate, without man, without beast, even in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, that are desolate, without man, within inhabitants, without beasts, shall be what? The voice of joy. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. The voice of joy. The voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom. The voice of the bride. The voice of them that say, Praise the name of the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. And to them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. How many of you know, according to Hebrews, the only sacrifice we're to bring now is the sacrifice of praise. Right? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to the Lord. And he says, And they shall bring the uh, sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. As at the what? First. Now listen to this. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, again in this place, which is desolate, without man, without beast, and all the cities thereof shall be a habitation of shepherds, causing their flocks to lie down. What is that? Rest. See, this is not something we're just beginning to see. God's purpose for the shepherds is to bring the sheep to a place of rest. Right? To rest. Why is rest so important? You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created it in six days, and on the seventh day he sat down and rested from all his labors. Now, he commanded to keep that Sabbath. And he said, Ross, I don't want you doing anything, your wife doing anything. I don't want your cows or your horses working or doing anything. I don't want the strangers or anybody else that's in your house doing anything because it's a Sabbath rest. It's my Sabbath rest. And so that's a pattern of what we have in Christianity. When Jesus said it's finished, what was left that wasn't unfinished? Nothing. And when he sat down, it's finished. From the foundation of the world. So here we are in a, in a world today that says if you don't work, you don't get. Everything in this world tells you you have to work if you want to be the best and, you know, all this stuff. It's all right in front of you. Everywhere you turn the TV on, everything is, you're faced with this thing is you've got to perform. And the sad thing about it, there's too many pastors, there's too many churches performing for acceptance. And that's only a root of that rejection that we got from Adam. And, and, you know, you haven't heard me say this yet. 
But last week the Lord showed me, no, it wasn't from Adam. It was from Satan. Satan was the first one that was rejected. He was rejected because he wanted to exalt his throne above the stars of God. He was lifted up with pride, so God kicked him out of heaven and the third of the angels with him. And when he hit the ground, he hit the ground rejected. So the first thing he did when Adam and Eve was created is to make sure that his rejection, he wasn't the only one rejected. So everything God put his hands to, he wanted to make sure that they were rejected of God and God rejected them. So that's when he said, hath God said? See, what he was trying to do was immediately get God to reject them too. And see, that's his whole point in this old man is to get us rejected. So what do we do? We set out trying to be approved. We talked about athletics and all the stuff that kids go through the day and all the parents trying to live through their kids. And all of that, a lot of that stuff is nothing rooted in in, uh, performance for acceptance. But I want to tell you something. Most coaches in this world are like most pastors I know. If you don't perform, you don't stay. The church is not a whole lot different than the the, the, uh, school system or the athletic system, NFL, you name it. If you don't perform, you don't stay. But I want to tell you something in the kingdom of God. It's not about your performance. It's about you learning to rest in what he's done for you. You know, one of the things, Revelation 126, it says, He that overcometh and keepeth my works, he's the one that's going to rule and reign in my kingdom. He that keepeth what? My works. Why? Because you've got to hold the beginning of his, your confidence steadfast. Confidence in what? The fact that he paid the price for your spirit, soul, and your body. And he paid the price for you to have the ability to sit down and realize that you've been accepted, not based on anything you do, but based on what he's done for you. Ephesians 1, 6 says he's made you accepted in the beloved. So if you're accepted in the beloved, what do you have to do to be accepted? John chapter 6, and I think it's about verse 29, that the disciples said, Good master, what must we do to do the works of God? And this is in Revelation 1.26. It's your little footnote if you look at it. And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you're to do, is to believe on what I've done for you. Just believe in me. See, most of our works, I know Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and it not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But in this verse says, But we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, see, your works comes from your position. You know, you, a lot of people make fun of me working from a chair. I work real hard from a chair. I mean, if you know, you can work from a place of rest, but it's still work. It's not a lack of uh, doing anything. It's a positional thing. You're working from that place of authority and place of God placing you there. And so rest is that thing that he's provided for us, and it's what he wants us to enjoy. So that's what we're talking about today. Now, let's turn over and look in Hebrews. Well, before we do it, while we're in the Old Testament, let's go to another place, Isaiah chapter 30. You know, I know, I know a lot of you have heard this, but how many times have I talked about old man, new man? A lot. And why do we talk about rest and do this? Because everything in you, and your old man wants to do everything but rest. Right? And so this thing inside of you that 
that God wants to rest is that spirit of God in you wants you to enter into his rest. Here in, in Isaiah chapter 30, uh, let's, let's look in Isaiah chapter 30. And he says, he, he talks here in uh, uh, verse 1, Woe to, to rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, that cover with the covering, but not of my spirit, that may add sin to sin. They go down to Egypt and not ask for my, uh, at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and trust in the shadow of Egypt. Basically, that's what you're trusting in the world and you're trusting in the world system. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and trusting in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. And he goes on and talks about all the things uh, they're doing. He talks about the, in, in chapter 31, he says, you know, the Egyptians are, are flesh and not spirit. Verse 7 says, the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no person, no purpose. And he says, therefore have I cried concerning this. Now I want you to get this. King James says this. Their strength is to sit still. What does your strength come from? Position. What did God tell Paul? He says, your strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said what? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of God may rest upon you. And what did God tell Moses? Moses, just be still and see the glory of God. Be still and see the glory of God. See, that's what God wants us to do. He wants the world to see his glory. But there's so much flesh in the way, most of the world can't see his glory. It's not a matter of seeing him, it's seeing us in the flesh. See, and, and that's, that's one of the big problems. We talked in coffee shop. A lot of pe- people think that Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he smoked the rock instead of speak to it. Well, that's, that's part of it, but that's not the real issue. God said, Moses, when Moses said to the people, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? God said, Moses, because you failed to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel instead of you, you're not entering in. See, and that old man's always wanting to get in the way and take credit for something. Right? That's why it's very important for us to realize, once you realize that your old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth you shall not serve that old man, but you should serve him that died and rose again for you. And so henceforth we know what? No man after the flesh. We know Christ after the spirit from now on. And that's why it's so important for us to realize that there has to be that resurrected life in us to serve in that new man the way God intended it. Until there's a a death, there can't be a resurrection. And it's not about us trying to die. It's about us wrecking ourselves already to be dead to sin and wrecking yourselves to be what? Alive unto God. But let's go on here. In returning and rest shall you be saved. And he says in verse 12, Wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression, perverseness, and stay therein, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as a breaking of a potter's vessel that's broken in pieces. Whoever he falls on shall be what? Ground to powder. If you fall on this stone, it says, you'll be broken. But if the stone falls on you, you'll be ground to pieces. And he says, there, not, there shall not be found the bursting of it to take the fire 
uh, from the hearth and to take the water withal out of the pit. Now, verse 15. If you don't have this verse marked, you ought to have it marked in your Bible. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In what? Our repentance, returning. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But what's the problem? And you would not. And you would not. What did they say? You said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore shall you flee. We will ride upon the swift. Therefore they that pursue you will be swift. One thousand shall flee at the rebuke of one. At the rebuke of five shall you flee till you be left as a beacon on top of a mountain, as an ensign or a sign on a hill. Therefore will the Lord wait. How many of you know he's not in a hurry? You know he's got a big recliner up there. You're going to be shocked when you get up there and see. Lazy boy has nothing on what he has. I'm telling you, he knows how to rest. And how many of you know he knows how to create? And how many of you know all he has to do is speak the word? And he creates. And he knows how to rest. In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And you would not. And you go and he says, he will be wait that he may be gracious to you. Therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all those that wait upon him. In repentance and rest shall be you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And what? And you would not. You know, we've had a lot of people that don't understand the new man, old man. I have a lot of pastor friends that they don't even uh, can see what I'm talking about. Because most people feel like we get saved in our spirit by faith. But we have to perfect this old soul by our, our works. And they're good, good folks. But you know, once you start seeing the futility of it, how many of you has ever made your soul be a little better? I want, I want to see if there's anybody here. Has anybody's old man ever got a little bit better? Yeah, at what? Yeah. I mean, I worked for a lot of years trying to make myself better. Has anybody had any luck at doing that? I don't think so. So what's the answer? Just kill the rascal and just receive a new one. And let's get on with what? Get on with living. You know, he says here that on chapter 32 of, of Isaiah, he says in verse 15 to 32, Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted as a forest, then judgment shall dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. And the work of righteousness. How many of you know you're righteous now through the blood of Jesus? So what is the work of righteousness? The work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, in sure dwelling places, in quiet resting places. When it shall hail coming down on the forest, and the city shall be low in low places. Blessed are those that sow beside all water, send Hither the feet of the ox and the ass. So what? The work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance. How long? Forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation in quiet resting places. Here in Isaiah chapter 28. How many of you like to speak in tongues? Most of us don't do it enough. 
Because it says here, Isaiah 28, uh, verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And who shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, that drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. You remember that would not again? How many of people don't want to hear nothing about speaking in tongues? Oh, yeah. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, and, and that they may go fall backwards, be broken and snared and taken. All right? This is the rest where you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. You know, what does it say in Acts about the times of refreshing may come upon all men? How many of you know the book of Acts, the times of refreshing? Are not all these drunk with wine? They're drunk in the Holy Ghost. Huh? So we see it's part of the rest. Is all, it's all about entering into his rest. Now, before we get out of the Old Testament, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 11. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 11. I'm enjoying my rest today. Verse 1 says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And this is Jesus. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, or reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And the righteous shall be girded with his loins. The righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion, the fatting together, and the little child shall lead them. And you go on, and uh, let me just, uh, boy, this is so good. Let me just go ahead. The cow and the bear shall feed, the young ones shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. There shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. See, Christ is the glory of God. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And it says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for a sign to the people. And to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. What does it say about him? His rest shall be glorious. The Gentiles shall seek it, and that rest, it'll only be just good. It's going to be what? It's going to be glorious. Is that good? So you think he wants peace and rest in our lives? And he wants us to what? You know, I think that you look at this Sabbath day, he was just setting us up for that time where we could rest in what? Isn't it interesting that God worked six days 
and he sat down on the Sabbath day. And all that kept the law had to keep that Sabbath day, right? But here Jesus comes, and he takes care of everything. So our first day is Sunday on the first day of the week. So what do we do now? We rest the first day so we can work the rest of the week. See, our week starts off resting. If you're under the law, you've got to work all week, and then you get to rest. But if you're in the new law, the new covenant, you rest, and then you work the rest of the week from that place of rest. Huh? You know how Jesus was always getting in trouble for breaking their Sabbath? How many of you remember that? I mean, several times. One time he was going through the cornfield, and his disciples were hungry, and they took the coin, were eating. The Pharisees got all bent out of shape. And he says, hey, I just want to remind you something. The Sabbath wasn't made for man. Man was made for the Sabbath. No, just the opposite. The other way around. That's what they were saying. Jesus said, no. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And he says, if you understood what I was saying, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You wouldn't condemn these guys for eating on the Sabbath. They were all been out of shape many times. He stayed in trouble because he broke most of their laws. Right. Why? Because he is our Sabbath. He is our rest. Right? So, where are we going next? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hmm? Yeah, that is amazing because he fulfilled the law and he never broke one of them, not the Father's law. But what, how many did they have, 680? Is that about right? That man had laws? They, they kind of added to the rest of God's laws. Just 680. <coughs> but God told him, he said, you put all these bonds, bond, bondage on all these people that you want them to do, but you won't do one, one of them yourself at all. In Hebrews chapter 3, he says here, okay, this is all good. Verse 7 says, Wherefore the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in the what? In their heart. Jeremiah 17 says what? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? They do always err in their heart. You know, when you see that, that's why God said, I give you a new heart and a new spirit. Because that old heart is deceitful. And they, he says, they do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. What was the goal? Rest. They will not. I mean, he could have said a lot of things here, but what was the goal? Rest. They will not enter into my rest. And he says, he he goes on. He says that, that they will not enter into my rest. 
You know, you think about that, and, and that rest a lot of times was rest from their enemies was what he was talking about. Just to be able to sit down and rest from your enemies. They shall not enter my rest. Now, take heed who? Brethren. Who's he talking to? Christians. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. Is there anybody here but me still know that that old evil heart of unbelief is still pretty close? I wish the thing was as far as the east is from the west. But it ain't. You know, sometimes the biggest enemy we have lives within us. It's that old man, that old heart of unbelief. It says, take heed, brethren, lest that evil heart of unbelief, that you get that heart in, and then what does it do? It departs from the living God. Because that old man is not subject to God. It never can be and never will be. Matter of fact, the scripture says it's hostile towards God. Did you know your old soul is hostile towards God? It's rebellious and hostile. It's not subject to God, and it never will be. And he goes on to say, because of this, that's why we have a coffee shop every day. Ross needs it at least twice a week. It says, but exhort one another daily what is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin or that old man. For we are made partakers of Christ. How many of you have got an if right there? What is the if for? If we hold the beginning of our confidence, what? Halfway through? Steadfast to the end. What is your beginning confidence? All of it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Spirit, soul, body. The beginning confidence is he paid it all. He sat down and he said it's finished. The key is holding that beginning confidence because I don't know about you, but I enjoyed my beginning confidence for about a week. And then you know what I did? I said, Jesus, I appreciate you saving me. But you just get out of the way now, and I'm going to make the best little hand you ever had. You're going to be proud of me because I'm going to earn your acceptance. Is there anybody here like that but me? I didn't know any better, but I wanted my old soul to start feeling acceptance instead of rejection. And the only way I knew to do that is the same way I knew everything else in the world that I was raised in. If you work hard enough, you can get people's acceptance. So I assumed God was the same way. And see, all the time I missed it because what God said was what? Get over it. <laughs> Just die and come on in. It ain't about you earning my acceptance. And see, you know, I hate to say it, but 90% of your church is sitting in the pews today trying to earn God's love. And you know why? Because the God of this world blinds your minds, and he owns your old mind, will, and your emotion, and he tells you, you know, just like he did all along, come on. You need to work a little harder. Then when you work a little harder, well, you know God ain't paying no attention to you. You know, if you was really spiritual, you wouldn't be having all this trouble. Look around, ain't nobody else having any trouble. You know, has anybody heard any of these things like that? 
You know, you call yourself a Christian and then you act like this. What's the problem? See, if he can keep you in that old mind, will, and emotion, you ain't no good to yourself or anybody else. And he don't want you to understand the glorious gospel that Jesus paid the price for your spirit, soul, and body so you can have a new mind, new will, and new emotion so you can sit down at the right hand of the Father with Jesus in heavenly places and live an overcoming life because you're not trusting in yourself but in Jesus that paid the price for you to have it. Okay. How'd I get off on all that? For we are made partakers if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Wherefore it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt. But with whom was he grieved forty years? What was not with those that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear that they would not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? Them that what? Believe not. So we see, they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, verse 4, let us fear, lest the promise of being left of entering into his rest. See, what is the goal, saints? Rest. Rest. What do we think the goal is? It's rest. And he says, he says, any of you, lest... Uh, let us fear lest the promise being left of any of the rest, any of you should what? Seem to come short of it. Why does it say seem? I believe when Jesus, I like what Brother Wayne says. He said, you know, I got this brand new computer. And boy, this computer can do everything in the world. And he says, you know, my problem is I don't know how to access it. See, when Jesus paid the price, spirit, soul, and body, and we are complete in him, there was not nothing undone. He did it all. And how many of you know it's all ours? Amen. And how many of you know the biggest problem we're destroyed for lack of? We don't know what he paid for. And he says, let's fear lest any of you should seem to come short of it. Why? We come short of it because we don't know what's been paid for. We don't know how to access it. And he says, for unto us was the gospel preached as well unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. But we which have believed do enter into the rest. So how do you get into the rest? Believe. Believe in what? What he's done. And he says, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works, what? Were finished from the foundation of the world. What is that saying, Lee? I believe Jesus was a lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. If you really want to get into the spiritual truth of all this stuff, Jesus paid for it all before he ever came. He was a lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world for us. The works were finished from the... That's incredible. The work was finished before the work ever started. You figure that out in your old man. And if you get it figured out, explain it to me. Okay? For he spake of a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest on the seventh day from his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of what? Unbelief or disobedience. 
Again, he limited certain days, saying in David today, after so long of time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And what is he basically saying? Don't go back into that old hard heart, that old heart of unbelief. Don't go back there. And he says, for if Jesus or Joshua, isn't that interesting? Joshua, Jesus, the same word had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains therefore rest to the people of God. Why is it saying that rest is for all of us? For he that has entered into God's rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now you know basically what that's saying is, you're never going to enter into that rest as long as you're working to get into that rest. As long as you're taking Jesus plus anything to get you there, you're still working. And you'll never enter into that rest. Until you, like God said, it's finished. It's finished, and he rested on that day. Until you realize that it's all been paid for, and you cease your striving and your working, you'll never enter that work, enter into that rest. So entering into the rest is entering into the rest that Jesus has provided for us and gave to us. And he says, For he that has entered into rest, he has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let me ever know that one verse caused me torment for probably 15 years. Anybody out there? I was a good laborer. And it says the labor to enter into that rest. I worked hard getting into that rest. Anybody else out there? Never get there. Let us labor to enter into that rest. One day I looked up that word labor in the Greek. It was an interesting word. It had nothing to do with working. The work is, that word is speedo. Speedo. What does speed have to do with this? Get in there quick. God's provided it. Get there quick. Less what? You also be led away in unbelief. I would have been led away in unbelief because I was working trying to get into rest. See, sometimes you need to, to, to look at Greek and Hebrew sometimes. The word here may not exactly be the word that we understand for it. And so you see it says, Let us therefore enter into that rest quick, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief or disobedience. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than two-edged sword. So to enter into that rest, you have to believe and enter into the rest. For we which have what? Believed, do enter into this rest. What do we believe? That he paid the price for us, spirit, soul, and body, for us to rest. So through faith now, we mix the faith in with what he done, we enter into that rest. Some must enter that rest. See, God wants some to enter in and enjoy that rest. And his rest is what? Glorious. Now it says, as he is, so are we now in this present world. 1 John 4, 17. As he what? So are we now. What is he doing right now? Expect until his enemies be made his footstool. You know what? The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And I believe he already destroyed death. 
So I believe when he's sitting there expecting his enemies to be made his footstool, they already are. It's just a matter of how we perceive those enemies. So it goes back to enemies again. Yeah. I want you to see something here. In Luke chapter 1, when John's dad's prophesying about the coming of Christ, after he couldn't, for nine months, he couldn't talk because of his unbelief. And in verse 67 here, when, when uh, John was born, his father was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. So the Holy Ghost had something to say here. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation. Remember us reading that over there in Isaiah? For the house of David, as he spake by the mouth of his prophets, which have been since the world began, that, what purpose? That we should be saved from our enemies. And from the hand of all that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers. To receive, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, past tense, might, because of that, serve him without what? Fear. In holiness, in righteousness, before him when we get to heaven. No? What did it say? All the days of our life. We are to walk in without fear and holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. Do you know what? He has delivered us from every one of our enemies. And you know, really, the bottom line is really the only enemy any of us have is ourselves. And he's already been crucified. So what enemies left? None. Now let's read on. And thou child, John he's talking about, shall be the, called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. I mean, are you glad your sins are forgiven? Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell. What is that dwell? Habitat. You know the scripture in Isaiah, I'm trying to think of which it where it says that God will give you the land and he'll give you rest and then he'll put his name there. That's his dwelling place. Did you catch that? He will guide our feet into the way of peace. See, God gives us rest because Jesus is our rest and his, glorious, his rest is glorious and he'll give us our inheritance and then God will dwell. He has put his name in that place of rest. You know, when all this stuff is settled at the end of Revelation, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. 
wherein dwells righteousness. This old earth and old heaven is going to be done away with. And then it says a remarkable thing, that God will come and dwell with his people. Is that incredible? He will be the habitation for his people. So he's already done all this for us, and he wants us to enter that rest. What did Jesus say? In this world, you're going to have stress, pressure. Be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Now, what is the world? All that's in the world, First John says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is of the world. And he says the world passes away. See, all of that, a lot of times we think of the world, it's always out there somewhere, but instead it's right here. All that's in the world in my old soul, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is that old man. Right? He says, I've overcome it. Matter of fact, I crucified it. It was crucified with me, that its whole effect might be destroyed, that henceforth you don't serve it anymore. And that's why I think the further we go with this thing, the less problem we're going to have with the old man and his ways. And one of the ways you know if you're in the old man, you're always thinking about yourself. When you get in the new man, it ain't about you. It's not all about you. It's about him. Is that good? But see, all of this is for now. It's not for when we get to heaven. He's already paid the price so we can have it now. You know, there's some scriptures in Psalms. Psalms 116.7 says, Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. It says, Stand ye in the way, Jeremiah 6.16. And ask for the old paths, where is a good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Now see, your old soul, saints, is enmity against God. It's not subject to God, and it never will be. So when you say unto your old soul, return unto your rest, it will not. You got it? It cannot. And it will not. Jesus said in Matthew 11, what? Come unto me, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Souls. Basically, what he was saying, learn me. Because, you know, he is us, and us is he. And everything he has, we have. And we are in him. The whole key to this salvation thing is that he's not just in us. We're in him. Because in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead, and we are complete in him. And that's where that rest comes from. It says, and I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Souls. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit to them. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not grief. James one twenty one says, Receive with meekness the word which is able to save your soul. Able to save your what? Souls. First Peter <coughs> Peter one twenty two. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth 
through unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. How are you going to love one another with a pure heart? Only one way, in that new heart. The next verse says, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. See, that ability to do that doesn't come from the old. It comes from being born of a new spirit. It's all about the seed, isn't it? First Thessalonians 5.23, The very God of peace sanctify you, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, and I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who called you, who really has already done it. He's already done it. It's finished. So it's a matter of not of anything else for him to do. It's a matter of receiving what he's only done. So you receive it with meekness, the things he's done. First Peter 2.11 says, Abstain from fleshly lust, which is the diseased condition of the old soul, which war against your soul. Second Peter 2.8, we talked about this yesterday, how that says that Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day, hearing and seeing their unlawful deeds that they did. Vexed, tormented his righteous soul. In First uh, John 1, 2, Our beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know, John, when he was speaking that, he goes on to say, When I heard that you're walking in the truth and, and as little children, and he says, I wish you'd just prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. You know that word prosperity? A lot of us has heard it being preached by some faith teachers, but all that word prosper really means is to have a prosperous journey in your life. That every day you have, Mike, will just be a, a prosperous day. You'd enjoy that day that you have. Just have a good day. Why don't you just have a good day? Because that's what it's all about. When your soul prospers, it means you just decided you're going to have a good day. And it is well with my what? My soul. That's good. I believe I'll just take a nap while I'm here. Well, this is Labor Day weekend, so enjoy your weekend. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just ask you to open our eyes to see the finished work you've given us. And Lord, we know there's a lot of things to do. And some people misunderstand when we talk about resting and getting in their recliner that we don't want to work, we don't want to do anything. But God, I ask you to, in Ephesians 1, 18, 17, 18, I pray the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened so that we may know what is the hope of your calling and what is exceeding greatness of your power to us who believe. And it's according to the power of your spirit working in us that, Lord, that we would see who we are and where our authority and our power comes from, that we, it comes from us resting in the finished work of what you've done. And, Lord, help us just to receive that and give us the strength to go on and to see this world brought to the fullness of what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.